Hello, you're listening to Common Ride with me, a podcast about stunt-filled shows full of heroes. I'm James Dorrington, but you can call me Captain, and I'm your expert. And I'm James Baker, I'm your newcomer. This week, we finally look at Ultraman to watch and shit. This week we're finally looking at Ultraman, um, and with me is a like guest that is Rich from the Science Patrol broadcast. Hello, Rich. How are you? Okay, how are you today? Not pretty good, you know. Just pretty normal day, but not too bad. All right for a Sunday night, right? A little tired, but I've been worse, you know. Oh, haven't we all? Haven't we all? And um, so we at Common Ride with me have predominantly done Common Rider, but we've been looking at like a lot of other shows and like how I've like I'm like explained it to my co-host uh, like James is that there's a big three in the Toku franchises not counting Godzilla but um, and that would be like Super Sentai, Kamen Rider and Ultraman and yeah it's a big major series that, that has been like extremely popular for years you know how long like have you been a fan of the franchise and all that uh, I discovered Ultraman I'm gonna say sometime in the late 70s or early eighties from, uh, a, we got cable. Um, and there was two channels from Philadelphia, 17 and 29 and channel 17 used to run, uh, crazy amounts of Japanese stuff like, uh, star blazers, um, uh, gotcha. You know, a battle of planets, a Marine boy. Um, and you know, just speed racer, all that stuff. And suddenly, uh, I'm faced with giant monsters every day on my TV with Ultraman. And I was absolutely hooked from a very young age. And they, it ran into the eighties on that. Like it just kept, they kept rerunning the same 39 episodes. Yeah. People know like, um, what Godzilla is and like power Rangers and like that kind of stuff. But like, there is this weird place where like people do somehow know Ultraman, despite the fact that it might not have like been over here in the same way as like other franchises. And like, it's just a very like, distinctive like figure too you know yeah well i mean even pat my co-host knew uh he works in new york uh he works for a a a utility company in new york so he's like oh i've seen ultraman i see him in uh toys of him in chinatown constant and he's like but i didn't know what the hell it was he goes it was just this silver guy and that's you know oh they make toys that's fine but, you know, he had no idea that there was so much of it. I mean, I didn't know there was so much of it until <clears throat> probably 1988 or 9 when a friend of mine went to a New York Comic Con and came back and brought me one of the Bandai uh, Ultraman figures, like in the little bo- those little window boxes you see him in. Oh, okay. Like, That's cool. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, you were talking about Ultraman. I got this for you at the comic convention. I was like, oh, that's amazing. He goes. Yeah, he goes, there were so many to look through. I had a hard time finding the original. And I was like, what? The, wait, what? <laughs> there, there's more? He's like, oh, dude, there's tons more Ultraman. And I was like, oh, oh my. <laughs> but this is what, 1988? How are you going to find it? Yeah, how are you going to find it? Like bootleg tapes, maybe, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. 
Yeah. But who knows? They'll be like labeled right. And like, you'll be like, oh, this is um Ultraman Q. And they're like, where's Ultraman? It's just like a weird, like Twilight Zone show. What's this about? You know, like, and it's not, you don't even know if it's going to be fan subbed. I didn't even know there was a thing called fan subbing at that point. I didn't find that out until I started going to a um, comic book store in Clifton uh, called Outer Limits. And Outer Limits no longer exists, but... I've heard of Outer Limits, though, I think. Oh, Outer Limits was great. They're famous, right? Like a famous shop that like, is out of business now? I think they were, yeah. I mean, they were, yeah. they were very big. They used to go to Japan two or three times a year and come back with the most glorious things you could possibly want. And your wallet would hurt every time you'd go in. Uh, <laughs> but you could buy bootleg tapes of stuff like Godzilla movies and stuff, fan subs. And it opened up, uh, that's where you, you, I discovered video Daikaiju, which I'm sure you've heard of too. Yeah. No, like I was like on like the tail end of like when you had things like tsunami and stuff and like when the word like, sure. when the word anime first kind of became like a thing that had some meaning and like it wasn't, and like it wasn't like a weird like buckshot of Japanese culture. Like here's like the Japanese stuff and like here's like Ninja Blade and here's Ultraman, mm-hmm. like no distinction, you know? Yeah, it wasn't all just lumped into one spot. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm familiar. Yeah, I, 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 like absolutely. Oh yeah. And then at a certain at a certain point, once DVDs came into light, and you could get recordables, I ended up buying off eBay the original run of Ultraman stuff. Okay. And, yeah. And I was just dumbfounded, like, oh, this is a, I haven't seen this since I was a kid. Because even like um like I kind of got into like I left like the age bracket for Power Rangers like. And then had like a slight lapse and then like YouTube got big and I was able to see stuff like common rider clips and be like, Oh, what's this? And Oh, right. what's like this website and that kind of thing. And like, but like before you had things like fan wikis and like YouTube, how do you find that stuff or like make that connection to like, exactly. All we had was outer limits. Um, we had local toy shows. So you'd go to a toy show and you'd see a box of, there's a metal hero show called blue SWAT. Oh, I've, that's that show looks so cool. Like I was Those toys are amazing. Yeah. Oh my god, we were like, what is this? And then you know the guys from Out of Limits are like, oh, it's Blue Swat. It's this great show. And uh, you're like, I have no frame of reference to any of this stuff. Like there was there was I I missed Power Rangers. I it didn't it didn't hit me. Um, yeah, it was oh god, I what was that 93, 92 when that came out? Yeah, ninety three, ninety two, which is like when I was like very young, like preschool kind of kid but like like it's just like also just like a weird time where like a lot of that stuff because they did like one ultra series when i was like in like 2000 like they had like tiga on like four kids or something like that like they had like a bunch of stuff going on and then they had uh towards the future towards the future was on prior to that that was in the 90s because i remember uh also around power rangery time and i was like well i'll watch this new ultraman thing but i don't understand this weird uh uh, power rangers thing this is uh this is uh i'm i'm of course i was far too old and mature for that nonsense at the time uh yeah <laughs> yeah as i sit here knocking on 50 going uh yeah i have an ultraman podcast and people go what you know <laughs> so like i probably like first saw ultraman in like a south park episode where like they had like um it's the mecha streisand right yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah. what you're thinking of yes Oh, and then like it was that. like prince turned into like mothra or something and beat her it was weird yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly okay we're on the same page there yeah. 
Oh, and then, you, and then like using something like Powerpuff Girls, and they they uh, had that episode where they're in the they're in like the Ultraman Powerpuff Girl robot. Okay, no, I haven't seen that. No. Oh yeah, it's um, oh boy, I I can't think of which one it is, but they 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 form this like uh, they all get into this giant sort of Ultraman robot, and they fight this big monster that comes out of the lake in Townsville, and of course. You know, they defeat it, but the town is super mad at them because they, like, knocked every building down. So I actually, um, the first, like, giant hero, like, Kodai hero, like, show that I owned was actually Iron King, if you know that show. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was at Best Buy randomly in, like, 2006, and that was, like, before Ultraman was, like, super readily, like, available, like, officially. So like, I watched, like, Iron King, like, and, like, Kamen Rider Blade, and I was like, okay, what's going on over here? Yeah, you like, <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> interesting and and man iron king is ultraman if they slash the budget by 80 <laughs> percent. yeah like i'm like a big fan of like reading about things i haven't seen on like wikipedia and like wasn't iron king made by like a leather company or something i think something like yeah. it was like they're like yeah we can get in on this giant robot game sure whatever you know um uh, like something else like i saw um Giver as a kid and that was like another weird one where they did like two live action Giver movies in the 90s yeah with mark hamill sure yeah and yeah. but like um for ultraman that's like just like was one of the earliest really big like Tokyo franchises and there's like so many like spinoffs like i've like seen clips of like god man and green man and stuff on youtube where they're just like oh yeah randomly fighting in like quarries and then it, and like in the woods, which is like really great. Oh, Red Man is spectacular for that. If you ever want to watch something that is just, I, I personally think Red Man is the story of monsters and a uh, serial killer that is hunting them down one by one because he Ooh. does he does nothing heroic. They're just mining their own business, and he beats the ever loving crap out of them and kills them. And you just you, you're like, boy, if there was ever a there is ever a show that you're really trying to sympathize with the monsters this would be it boy oh boy and it's cheap too the suits are yeah very cheap just like we're in the playground and yeah because for like lots of those like very early shows like there wouldn't be as much of a like cast or like a plot it would just be like some kids are on like a swing set and they're like hey red man come fight these monsters then like they just like fight kind of thing oh yeah red man it, there's nobody else in it other than the monsters and red man you could see some on, on YouTube. They're they're absolutely mental. They're absolutely mental. Did you ever um like see um like Kaiju Big Battle? That was something I got into in the night in like the like early two thousands from like my older brother showing me that. Yeah, I, I I was invited a couple of times to actually go see it in New York, but unfortunately it was working nights and uh, that was not to happen, sadly. Because that's something I would have been uh, I would have been more than happy to go entertain myself with for a couple hours. Yeah, and like indie wrestling is like great, but then like to throw on that like extra level, like like those crowds must be like wild. Yeah. Well, you look at looking at Tokusatsu, especially Ultraman. The there is so much of professional wrestling in it. Once you yeah. get like okay, there's lasers and they shoot like beams and whatnot and all that, but they're still grappling. They're suplexing the monsters. They're dumping them into power lines. It's you know, and I don't really care much for wrestling. And then I watch certain, uh, you know, scenes of Ultraman and I'm like, is it just that I want them to be monsters and it's okay? Is that it? I'm like, like, it's just, as long as it's not just dudes in unitards, I don't know. No. Yeah. Like, I think like it does like help to have that like framing. Like my girlfriend actually 
super into wrestling after she saw stuff like the golden lovers and like very deep like stories in wrestling it was like oh like these are all like soap opera like characters and like sure. from like trashy romance novels and stuff but yeah. and like it's like really wild to me considering how they have to do the footage for shows like power rangers and stuff that there haven't been more ultraman shows because it's like that fit seems so much easier than with like those other like franchises oh you mean to like have them here yeah yeah uh, like make like ultra rangers or whatever that would be i don't know at a certain point Subarea was shooting a lot of stuff on green screen and their whole um <clears throat> their whole uh approach to western audiences was hey look we've shot all the monster footage we've shot all the special effects you just have to put your own people in there that's it shoot it on a green screen you paste them in you're done and it's had like a couple that had like an australian yeah that was ultraman towards the future ultraman towards the future was like a whole uh like hey we're gonna do this and it was expensive at the time it was not a cheap it was not a cheap uh production despite the fact that it it's not spectacularly well done. It's uh, we we uh, did that a uh, oh about a year and a half ago. We did that in between series, and it's it holds up a lot better than it did when I remember it. Like when I watched it the first time when I was younger, I was like, "Yeah, this is kind of lame compared to the original Ultraman." But I watched when we watched it again recently. We were like, "No, this is actually pretty good." I'm like, yeah, it's only twelve episodes, but it's got an entire arc to it. Um, you've got the range of acting from good to I, this guy is completely unbelievable, but that's fine. Uh, and you know, it, 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 it was, it was perfectly serviceable. They did, they did a U.S. one, which uh, never aired here either. That's Ultraman powered or Ultraman, the ultimate hero. Yeah. Okay. And we're going to be covering that eventually. And Hannah Barbera like made like an Ultraman. Was that live action? Or was that one of the cartoon ones? The cartoon one. Yeah. It's a weird time when there was like, like these weird, like, projects made that weren't just like made like from the home base because um like um last year or this year didn't um tubara just like fix like a legal issue where they can actually put out ultraman like internationally yes there was a company called uh chayo that was operating out of thailand um they did two uh two co-productions in i believe the 70s um with Subaraya. one was called um Hanuman and the Seven Ultramen, and the other one was uh, boy uh, Jumborg Ace and Giants. Jumborg Ace is another Subaraya film or a television show. I like kind of uh, got like into like the Ultraman Zero stuff, so like I know Jumborg was like one of his allies or something. Yeah, uh, that's uh, I think Genebot is sort of a Jumborg uh, analog, I believe. But uh, I have not seen any Jumborg Ace. Um, as of yet uh it's one of the it's it's on my ever-growing list but uh, <laughs> it's only so much time and uh although pat and i are like when we when we keep saying someday we're gonna do patreon episodes i'm like we should do the ancillary nonsense like Gridman and dinosaur warg eisenborg and yeah that, oh my god that show that is absolutely mental um and you know stuff like uh, stuff like that would be fun um, just to do as, you know, bonus stuff if people would like to throw us a couple of ducats for doing it. But um, <clears throat> I have derailed my own train of thought now. So um, in the beginning, um, Tubara Productions. Um, oh, 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 yes, the uh, the the whole the Chayo thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they uh, apparently the head of 
uh, Chaya was a man called uh, Sampote Sands, and he came to Toho with a, a letter he claimed said he owned Ultraman outside of Japan for the first like six or seven series. And it was stamped yeah. with the um, the Hanko stamp, company stamp. So it was on letterhead. It was stamped with the right stamp. And for years, the Japanese courts upheld it because they're like, well, the stamp's on it. It's like, yeah, but but this is obviously nonsense. The shows are misspelled. Nobu, uh, Noboru Subarea's name is written in Roman letters. He doesn't do that. And it was only came to light after he had passed away. Um, if you really want to get a really great um, full history of this, there's an episode of the Kaiju cast with a gentleman by the name of Brad Warner, who, who uh, was the uh, token gaijin who worked at uh, Subaraya for a while. And he really goes, does a nice deep dive on this. But finally, U.S. court, I think in the U.S. court last year, they were like, yeah, no, this is nonsense. And you are free to, uh, you are free to try to collect damages. I don't even know if that if, if uh, Chayo has money anymore, but uh, you're free to collect damages and uh, you can put your stuff out, which is how we have the great new uh, Blu-ray sets from Mill Creek. Yeah, and like it's always like great when you actually have like an official way because like while while fan subbers work very hard, that doesn't really go back to the company at all. You know, yeah, it's nice to have the visibility, but uh, like the the like the saying goes, you can't pay your rent in exposure. Yeah, like it must have hurt when like they were looking at like the Marvel movies getting big and like we've been doing that for years. Like we have like a cool multiverse. We have like crossovers. We have like sure cool callbacks. And stuff. Sure. Yeah. And now Marvel's doing a comic book with uh, with them. Exactly. Like, they're like branching out like that, like yeah. anime show. Why wouldn't they? I mean, you got yeah the, the Netflix anime show. In my wildest dreams, I would have never. If you told me when I was watching this when I was a kid, it's like oh. By the way, there's going to be a cartoon of this that's going to be very adult oriented, and I'd, I'd have been like, "You're out of your mind, stop it!" But <laughs> and you'll be almost fifty when you see it, so like, yeah, okay, whatever, sure. This franchise began um, through uh, the, the um, like very important, like I'm going to butcher his name, but Superara, Superaya, and um, so he was like also like a co-creator on Godzilla, right? Not so much a co-creator, but the the guy who handled all the visual effects for Toho. So he he worked for not only doing uh, kaiju movies, but for like all their World War II Japanese films. Um, he was building the miniature boats and the planes, and you know he was doing all their special effects footage for stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> when he decided to create his own um, production house and get into television. Uh, it, from what I understand, and uh, I'm pretty sure I read this in August Vergone's book, uh, which is also indispensable if you can if you can hunt a copy down. Uh, Eiji Subaru, a master of monsters, um, he was one of the only people, other than Walt Disney, to have a an, a certain optical printer. So they they were you know you hear like oh Godzilla movies are cheesy fact. No, they were they were like state of the art at the time. In my notes, like I um like put down people like. Ray Harryhausen as like visionary, like just like very important like names like you might not know, but like changed how we like make movies and like oh for sure, absolutely. And H. E. Subaru was a pioneer. I mean, you would see him, you would see the the when he has the budget to work with, and you know, monster comes crashing through a building. You see all the floors, all the furniture, staircases, uh, plumbing. 
you know, like the, the amount of detail they put in there, it's a, it's a matter of pride. These are craftspeople and the building is designed to come apart in such a way that you're going to see all that stuff. There was a, I don't Are you familiar with Frankenstein conquers the world? Uh, yes, I am. Okay. In the scene where Baragon comes across the farm and he eats the horse, um, people are like, well, why didn't they just do a composite shot of a horse? And they asked A.G. Subaraya, why wouldn't you do that? And he goes, well, the puppet was way more fun to do. <laughs> so he, you know, he was like, no, it was, I wanted to do a puppet. So I did a puppet. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And you can see just like when there is like craftsmanship, like there, like, like in like, um, like the, like first episode of like the, like original series that we watch, mm-hmm. there's one moment where you just see them fighting and um um they like step onto like a like small cottage that didn't need to be there to like to tell you anything but it was like it said so much about like the world and like the scale too yeah you're like okay these are giants and there's going to be collateral damage it's not as it's not you know we didn't have to build it in a big city we didn't have to do anything like that um and when you look at you look at ultraman shows that take place today um especially the most recent ones like Taiga and Rube are the, the, the absolute exacting detail that is placed in the miniature work is outstanding. We love to point it out. Like you'll just see a shot of the monster. It's brief two, two, three seconds as the monster strolls past some buildings and you look in the alleyway and there's individual tiny bags of garbage. There's like a guitar leaning up against the wall. There might be a couple bicycles and a bike rack. Um, a newspaper machine with newspapers and the footfall comes and everything goes and falls over like the tiniest attention to detail. It's the kind of thing that like you technically don't have to do, but it is like what brings you into the world. Like even when like you're seeing like very clearly like that they're like on like a set, like in like the like 1960s shows, there's still like individual trees that are like moving and being used for like weapons, that kind of stuff. And it like, brings you into it yeah it's 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 not it's not so much that they're trying to create photorealism it is that they're trying to create a heightened reality because we've seen what a realistic kaiju movie looks like with like the most recent godzillas right yeah and yeah it's terrifying <laughs> when, when you when you're the human mind tries to wrap itself around Oh my God, that thing is that big and it, it can just start smushing skyscrapers. It's, it almost takes the fun out of it because it's, it's yeah. terrifying. Like every like 20 years, like there's like a, a good Godzilla movie meant to kind of like reset your expectations. Right. To make sure that like then you can have fun and like get wild again. Like it's like, okay, here we show what it would be like to be in a city where there's like a giant nuclear creature. And then, like from there, they'll branch out. Like they kind of like have to like reset their expectations. Sure. Like like even with Shin Godzilla, it's that's one of the more most effective. And I think that's a flat out horror movie. And I know people are like, I don't know. And I'm like, no, man, that's that is what you're looking at when an unstoppable force meets miles of red tape. Yeah. What like can be done by like a good like um serious kaiju movie is like put into perspective that like oh we're basically just like stains on a plate compared to like like these forces you know sure yeah it's like when you come across an anthill that's simple and they don't have a shot in ultraman though they um do tend to go towards like a lighter hearted like vibe i guess and like uh so like well, let's look at let's look at the the, the four we watched 
four episodes. Yes, we watched the first episodes of Ultraman 66, uh, Ultraman Nexus, Ultraman X, and Ultraman Taiga. Um, now, Ultraman 66 is fairly, fairly serious. I mean, it's, it's, if you're going on a, a serious scale, you're in the, uh, the seven or eight out of serious stuff. It's, it hasn't quite branched into the camp. There's, there's plenty of campy stuff in uh, the original, but it's when they get a little bit more comfortable with what they're doing. You know, this one is a kind of by the numbers alien invasion story. Uh, our hero, and this, and this sets the template. Our hero is injured and the ultra feels bad and is like, hey man, uh, I'm going to fix this, but you're going to have to, we're going to have to share a body. And, you know, then giant hijinks ensue. Yeah, and there's like um, a lot of really affected, but like grounding things where like, oh, like, um, like the like river is boiling. And that's like, that's like a good way to like, let you know something's weird in like a very understated way to just be like, oh, it's like, we can't go in the river, it's boiling, like compared yeah. to like, it's all on fire or whatever. Well, yeah, when you look at like, yeah, I was just, I was just rewatching Ultraman X to, to make sure that I had a, a good, a good uh, grab, grasp on it. And if you'll notice how much it parallels. Yes. And all of these shows, like they kind of first do too. one. Yeah. But I mean, like, that's what I really like when people are like, when people ask me what to watch and I go, do you like old Godzilla movies? And they're like, Meh. I said, okay, if you're not sold on old Godzilla movies, you want try Ultraman X first because it's got more modern special effects, but it's almost a retelling in the sense of you have, You've still got a bunch of kids out camping. You know, that's nice. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you've got the two spherical um, vehicles chasing each other. Also nice. Um, I did not realize how much that would repeat in like these first like few episodes. Sure. Because even when we um, like first see Ultraman Nexus punch, that is also like a, um, like one orb of light too. Right. Right. And I, what amazes me, and I, it's funny, when I said Nexus, I had originally meant Mebius. Okay. And, I didn't, and I didn't realize it until I watched Nexus and I went, this is actually better because of how much different it is. They, uh, Ultraman has always been a, a kid oriented show. Media, uh, Nexus rather was a, was a, uh, follow up to Ultraman the next, the film, which was a kind of a, a soft reboot of the whole series. Like, cause that was like um, directly after cosmos, right? Which was like a very peaceful Ultraman. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. That, that sounds about right. Uh, <laughs> there is an awful lot of it. Um, yeah, there's a lot of it in that period. The more I see of Cosmos, the more I like of Cosmos. But that's going to be a long series for us to cover. It's like 52 episodes. And I'm like, oh, God, that's half a year. Two episodes a week, that's half a year. But it's a much more adult. It's a more adult-oriented show. And it didn't do very well because they started showing it at 9 o'clock in the morning. Because their time slot got messed with and they had to go from like a late night, like adult show, to like morning angst, which is well, like a no, weird thing to do. Kind of no? backwards. They started it at nine and they were like, well, adults aren't going to want to watch Ultraman. I'm like, yeah, but we made this for adults. They're like, yeah, yeah. And kids were like, meh, this is too boring and grown up. Then when they switched it to brace yourself, the 2 a.m. time slot, it did much okay. better. Like, who the hell is up? <laughs> I kind of have like a soft spot for that show though, because like it was like around the same time that like I got into Toku, probably like 2006. This is like 2004, so like that, and like also like it was like talked about. Like I'm not sure like how familiar um 
um like you are with like common rider but i'm um, like there's like a really? show called common rider hibiki that also is like known for being like midstream messed within like production and having like ultraman nexus like it ended early but like for common rider like hibiki like around like the same time it like had like its whole like staff ousted and they like completely changed like the whole like themes and tone of the whole series jeez yeah yeah, no, this this got cut to 37 episodes, and there was supposed to be a um, sequel film, but it never happened, and they instead made um, Ultraman, Mebius, and the Ultra Brothers. So, what can you do? And Mebius was a much yeah. more um, traditional, like, even in the first one of this, you don't hardly see Ultraman at all. He, For, like, one moment. Yeah, he flattens that monster, <laughs> which I forgot about. I'd seen this, I'd seen this years ago. And I started watching it, and I was like, oh, this is the one I wanted. But as it went on, I was like, oh, no, this is so much different. With how much like Ultraman X, like, um, it was like the, like, 66 show. Like, I thought, like, having that, like, palate cleanser was good. Just to see, like, here's, like, a time where they were trying to do something very different versus when they exactly. were trying to race it. I agree with you. Absolutely, wholeheartedly. I like the fact that, like, you made it a little bit more mysterious. You don't have to... Well, of course, if you're if you're writing something for adults, you don't have to just like shove it down their neck. And there's small things like, oh, um, the main character, I forget his name, but um, he has like a like active girlfriend at the like start of the series, which most of the time there's like a whole like will they won't they for like the whole series for like these kind of I, shows, you know? Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Yeah, and I, I like the fact that they had sort of like their sort of paramilitary science patrol guys. That's nice. Um, and that's one of the things I love about Ultraman X is that you've got your quote unquote science patrol. They have a really neat looking headquarters, just like the original science patrol, uh, for a huge chunk of the series. It doesn't appear that anyone else works there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and then we, cause Pat and I were, were mentioning that. And we always have the joke that when we'll mention something like within two episodes, it gets addressed for some reason. And the joke is like, well, obviously they're paying attention um, because we're like, yeah, what is with this? Like, it, it's huge. They have these jet hangers and there's like a garage with all these vehicles and you never see anybody. They were like, make, make sure the place gets evacuated. And like guys are crawling out of the woodwork to get out. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah. okay, fine. Then somebody was paying attention. Good. That's good to know. Um, like I am like very fascinated though. Like really love the way that like in the broader franchise they handle the character of like Ultraman Noah as this weird mysterious figure that like cuts through like different like places and times and that kind of stuff and like that's like mm-hmm. beyond the scope of what we look at but like I love characters like that like that are just like these weird what are they what are their motivations but they're yeah and that's almost that was almost an accident from what I understand because there's an Ultraman statue in episode 4ish of the original 66 called the uh, Oh boy, the blue. Yeah, one of the two monsters that like the original Ultraman can't beat. It's like the one in the last episode and the one in this episode. There's like a stone or something, right? Yeah, the blue stone of uh, Virage or something like that. And uh, yeah, and the, the, the and uh, um, Captain Mura has to make this amazing throw of this blue stone. And then the Ultraman has to hit it with the specium ray and it kills Antler. And uh, but oh, spoilers, but uh. <laughs> Yeah. Um, there's a statue of an ultra and they were like, well, it doesn't look exactly like our hero because they didn't have the mask done properly for the original. Cause the, 
the original mask because he looks kind of manky. Apparently, the mouth was supposed to move, but it looked okay. so goony that they were like, "Yeah, no, <laughs> well, that's no good. We won't do that." Um, and then uh, apparently became Ultraman Noah, the guy in the statue. Yeah, which is the weird year. Which is great because and you're like, like, "Oh, hey, we can we can backdate this and then just start adding onto this guy's mythology." It's a beautiful, happy accident. It's like recasting your lead actor in Doctor Who every time somebody wants to leave. It's cool that like just like from the course of time they have like built out this weird mythology of like who's who's ultra is like this ultra's like kid and that they're brothers and that like oh like I'm actually like an ancient from like another dimension kind of thing. And it's like sure. lots of like fun like nods through that. I would think you'd see more ultra ladies. Yeah. <laughs> just just because a lot of dudes running around. I'd like to, I would love to see a show where there was at least one, I mean, other than Ultra Woman Grigio, who turns up at the end of Rube. Um, yeah, like an episode or two, right? Yeah. And she's, she plays heavily in the movie as well, but, um, but she's new. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see like um, some, or even, you know, an ultra with a female, like a female host. Like, that would also be nice. But I understand that you're trying to sell a series of toys and stuff to young boys. I get it. But why not? Why not have both? They recently had like a series that was like two brothers. That would have been like a perfect like moment to have like swap that and had one of them or be a sister, you know? And, and you know what Maybe and, and maybe that's the case at some point. I mean, you know, I would say that probably that's the kind of thing that it's going to take a show like Ultraman a little bit longer to catch up. Because they are like, look, we've got a formula that we don't like to deviate from it too, too much because, you know, uh, we got to sell some stuff and <laughs> we got merch to move. And, uh, the, and yeah, like Rube was, Rube was one of my favorite new Ultraman shows. And a lot of people thought it was a little too jokey. And I'm like, it is so close to being a parody of all Ultraman. And I, it has to be on purpose. Cause doesn't like a like old villain come back and date their mom is something I saw on Twitter a while or something. Gosh, I don't think so. Um, I well, their mom is their mom has disappeared. The father is an absolute wingnut. Um, yeah, and the the uh, their transformation the henchman device is huge. It's a two handed. I we call it the space accordion because you have to like like flex it like back and forth like an exercise thing. And there's no way that you could have it hidden. Like, yeah. You know, a lot of ultras have like the little sunglasses or whatnot, or um, the beta capsule, something simple, or a ring. This is enormous. Electric it toothbrush. Has, right. This has to be, oh, Zayas, nice. Um, this has to be them going, huh? Come on. Come on. It's ridiculous, right? We all know it's ridiculous, but it's fun. And the, the lead guys never change clothes. Okay. And it's fine. It's fine when it's a, a science patrol outfit. You can get away with that. But you know, when they're walking around every single day in the same like obvious t-shirt, the same jacket, the same pants, yeah. you know, it's it has to be. It had to be them. Like they couldn't flat out come out and say like this is the satire Ultraman because people would get rubbed the wrong way. I think. But I think it was brilliantly subversive. I I think a lot of people uh, and the and the. The fact that they they went to a lot of old school wrestling techniques with the monsters because you had the two the two ultras fighting and it was it, it was exceptionally well done exceptionally well done to your point like a moment ago um there's like a 
big issue i think like where like you see lots of fans saying like hey um why can't we have like a female red ranger why can't we have like a female like main common rider and that kind of thing and like i think it's it's the kind of thing where it would be cool if it would happen but it like um last year's like uh like um last year's common rider like common rider like zeo a lot of people thought for a while because of the way the armor was that like it was going to be like a main like female like common rider right a lot of people were like very crushed when it wasn't but yeah like it's kind of thing where we might have like some different standards and like expectations of like as Western fans, you know? Sure. Why not? But I always say like, why not bring in another one? They don't have to, even if they don't just to, just to try to get people used to the fact that like, Oh yeah, here's, here's a super powerful ultra that comes in to help out our hero. And it just happens to be a lady. And you know, she kicks all sorts of ass. There's no reason why you shouldn't other than eight year old boys think that girls are icky. Yeah, and like at like a certain point, that's your responsibility to like change that thought and say like, okay, like the mentor ultra in this show is going to be like a like ultra woman, whatever you know. Right? Why not? Why not? Like they don't all have to be a damsel in distress or somebody's little sister. Um. So, in the ultra, like um, like in the wider series, um, what do you think? Like um, they tend to to do well, like like in like their like themes and stories like what do they really like get through and like get across like consistently like in their like storytelling and character um, consistently is the theme of you are unique and you need and you should always try to do your best um to do the job that you need to do um whether it is um as your human self or as an ultra um as long as you are doing your, and that's a very Japanese concept as, as long you have to do your best, do your best at all, you know, at all times. It's important. Um, you see it in anime, you see it in live action. And, um, and that's the sort of thing that uh, through sometimes deus ex machina, like, you know, uh, he, he tries so hard, let's give him this giant sword now that he can defeat the monsters with. Um, but teamwork, camaraderie, um, that you're not alone. You have people backing you up who can help you out. Um, you don't have to keep secrets, even though every ultra does. Something I every- like is that um, there's maybe like an episode about this in like Super Sentai or like Common Rider, like the there's a good monster who doesn't feel bad. But I feel like consistently in the ultra shows, like where they do put like that focus on like, you being good and trying your best like they also do kind of like have that like that angle of conservation or like these are just like these giant monsters are creatures as well and like um we see that in like taiga like it's like oh like this is just like a mother and like her child very very much so they've been really they've been really trying to push that point um for the last couple of series that it doesn't necessarily just because they're aliens um doesn't necessarily make them bad guys. Um, just because then, just because they're monsters, doesn't mean that they're actual monsters. Uh, like, we saw that in the original, like Pigmon, and people freaked out about Pigmon. They were like, "Oh my God, he's this this you know this red freakish monster," but he was friendly, and he he was on the side of uh, you know he was on the side of the science patrol, like oh we you know trying to defeat Red King or whomever. And you see Pigmon show up. And he's one of the monsters that. 
every time he shows up, we get super happy because we're like, it's a Pigmon episode. It's going to be surreal and it's going to be fun. And it's not going to be super heavy because there's, there are super heavy episodes. Almost every, almost every incarnation has a couple where you're like, geez, uh, that was, that was a rough one. Like, and no one expected that. But yeah, there's the, you know, like, a lot of like, don't judge the book by its cover. I'm sorry. Yeah. Kind of like um does like let there be this like distinction where like even if they've like updated the costumes or like suits, you can tell when they're bringing in like a older monster or monster that's meant to be kind of like at one with the natural world and like an animal versus like one that's meant to have been like engineered or like be like more agitated or like malicious too, which like both like lets them reuse stuff and like have monsters be like species and families, mm-hmm. but also like have that cool, like wider world besides like just fighting, you know? Yeah, and I love, it's funny. I was reading uh, something on Facebook today where somebody was like, I don't understand why they keep reusing monsters in all the different Ultraman stuff. And I'm like, well, first off, dude, suits ain't cheap. <laughs> <laughs> that is your first lesson. Suits ain't cheap. And if you can, if you can reuse a suit four or five times and make different monsters out of them, or you make them a recurring villain, you've saved yourself a whole bunch of money and it makes you uh, easier to write some stories for you. Because that's the massive waterproof wrestling suits, basically, too, which right. is not cheap. Right. That's another favorite trope that we find uh, when we watch it is Pat and I are like, oh, there's a water effect. We're going to see somebody's going into the drink. <laughs> and almost invariably, uh, there will be water wrestling if you see water in a scene. Like if, they, if there's a, if, especially if it's miniature work, if you see a miniature harbor, a miniature lake, and it, someone's going in the drink, absolutely. It's, you know, it's something you can count on. And if there's a oil refinery, it's catching fire. So that happens a lot too for like, <laughs> if you see like they're like on like a bridge, like near some water, they're probably getting beaten and thrown in the water like if they're like by like a river like they're gonna fight in the river and like that kind of stuff just gonna happen yeah if there's this high tension wires they're coming down (laughs) absolutely i like seeing just like the way they reuse like certain motifs and like there's always like a special group that has like their planes that don't really do Mm -hmm. much like there's always like this person that gets hurt like there's always these like monsters part of like the natural world like i like that um it's not like a lazy or like a rehash thing but like it just feels like it is like very good at like establishing what is same so then we can Mm -hmm. like do these stories again or like or just like to show you something different which is like a very good like storytelling like frame right like that's one of the again parallels between x and 66 is that you've got your zeos and your science patrols and uh zeo seems to be a little bit more effective because we've seen they show like in the flashback at the beginning like hey man there were tons of monsters before we kind of keep them at bay where we can respond really well, but then they get something like Demaga. They don't quite know what the hell to do with it until the silver giant shows up. And you know, what I really liked about it is, and you'll see this a lot with the first time an ultra shows up in a lot of these, they will attack the ultra, the whatever, whatever the self-defense group is like, well, we great. Now there's another giant thing stomping through the city. Just blow that thing up too. And, you know, the ultra is always looking like, dude, I'm, I would just stop. I'm on your side here, like lay off. And in this one, when the captain was like, yeah, back up that silver giant. And, uh, Lieutenant Tachibana kind of looks at him like, has he lost his mind? 
And he's like, do it. And they were like, yeah, we're right on it. And it turns out, of course, to be thankfully the right decision. Um, that's it's it's nice to see a little bit of an update. Like, like yeah. yeah, we can actually be a little effective. We don't have to just be like, well, we've shot everything we had at it and it's still coming. Great. You know, <laughs> even when they're not in the same like universe, they're still in continuity, which is like a really like cool, like meta narrative thing. And like, I think um, that's somewhat recent, like uh, some of they were no, a lot of the originals were never meant to be in the same continuity. Um, like I remember um, it must have been Ultraman Mebius because like I didn't watch a lot of it, but wasn't his first fight like a lot of people being like, hey, you suck. Like the whole like town got destroyed because you weren't fighting oh i don't remember that that's great <laughs> yeah i love like, like roll behind like a building and like got like yeah that's well that's one of the things i love about ultraman x is that daichi becomes he emerges with x and he's like why am i up so high this is freaking out i'm afraid of heights. he's just clutching a building he's like you're not up high you're a giant knock it off <laughs> there's a monster coming he's like what are you talking about and then, the big monster just comes running down the street and decks him. <laughs> I like I like when they play stuff for humor like that because a lot of people take this stuff so seriously and you're like, no, man, this is absurd. It's got to be a little absurd because if you take this stuff way too heavy, it's, it's not enjoyable. Yeah, and like you can't just like have like, why aren't the monsters attacking while they're transforming? Like, why aren't the monsters like still fighting while they're coming in? Like, it's like, no, just like let there be moments, let like right this be like fantastic too like yeah like there's like going to be those times where like we get like technically lied to i guess by like the fiction of the world and like the monster does mm-hmm. attack while they're transforming or whatever and, and it's right. like, a big deal but like, right. that's why we like have that trust we see that the transformations like if you've seen the end of taiga um you see the the transformations between the forms in real space occur instantaneously what we've We've con- we've uh, come up with the term headspace for what's going on inside the ultra's head. So, like when they're talking to their host, like, okay, we need to do this and maybe become this, and then we use the whatever G god to make the giant sword and the flaming this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, yeah, but that's that all happens in a nanosecond in real time. It's got to be some sort of weird relativity let things be fun and let things work in a way that makes sense. Like if they just constantly showed them in beams of light, like how do you know the gravity of them unlocking this form or of them having this like precisely, no, for me, Ultraman's are always like been like a weird show just because I don't have this frame of reference, but it's referenced so much in media. And I just like, don't know. Like, I think it's like a very interesting thing that um, like this franchise and like these figures have become like, internationally known like even if people don't know them like there's just like dc comics like mythic quality to like ultraman of like they're these figures and these icons that mean something which is like a really cool thing sure. like sure i mean it's it, it it kind of i i wonder why i always wondered why when i was a kid like <coughs> i watched ultraman but nobody else i knew was into but and it, it drove me bananas i'm like why aren't yeah, you guys into this thing there's the people that um can have like a unhealthy relationship with irony where they say, I can see the zipper on that suit, or I can see that that's not a real house. It's like, well, no, but I'd like to see that, like what they're doing, like pretending or like through like stunt work that like what would happen if like a giant was to like crush his house or whatever. Like, it's like fun. 
I mean, I, I can understand like people going, Oh, I can see the zipper. Well, don't look at the zipper. It's just like when, um, I started getting really into mo- like film and I use air quotes, my film, um, when I was in college and I was like, I, uh, got lucky enough to see the original star Wars trilogy in 35 millimeter before. I mean, I had seen them when they came out again, cause I'm ancient. Um, and, but the, we were in college and the Ramapo state, uh, college ran for their, some fundraiser. They somehow got 35 millimeter prints of the original trilogy and it was 10 bucks and you got to sit through all three of them. It was great. Oh, wow. Yeah. And there was a group there for some sort of widescreen awareness society or something like that. Okay. Um, and yeah. you know, my people is what I'm saying. So, <laughs> so they handed out these brochures. And they were like, what are you missing when you're watching stuff full screen? And it had actual, uh, you know, film uh, photos and whatnot of what you're missing when they pan and scan stuff. And I was like, oh, this changes everything. So I bought a Laserdisc player (laughs) (laughs) and spent way too much money on Laserdisc. And my parents were like, what is this? And I'm like, here, I'll show you. So I hooked it up to the TV in the living room. And they're like, this is terrible. What are these big black bars? I'm like, I'm like, it's so you can see it like it's in the theater. But they're like, it doesn't fill up the TV. These big black bars. I'm like, stop watching the bars. Look at what's going on between the bars. And my mom eventually got it. My dad's still like, meh. But my mom got it. And she was like, okay, okay. So a movie theater screen is wider. And I'm like, right. She's like, okay. So she could get, she got used to it. My dad was, my dad still has never been sold, but he's 91. He's not going to be sold, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you but, get that same kind of thing with fan subbing too, where people are like, I have to read while I'm, but also, yes, but you're like getting a different comprehension or like you're seeing something that like you couldn't see. You can kind right. of learn to like deal with it kind of thing. And you're hearing, you're hearing actors doing their inflection. So you can hear it. Look, you and people are like, oh, it's so hard to do it. I'm like, not if you do it for a little bit. Yeah. Like, give it six months. After the end of six months, it is second nature. It's easy. And like, there's like some words you figure out or just like, you know, tone or character. You're like, oh, I know that they're saying this. Like, even if I'm like looking at their expression. Right. Right. Or my favorite is when you hear them say something and you're like, you look at the subtitles and you go, that's not what they said. Because you've been doing this for so long that you now know that that is not what that means. Um, and some fan subber took a uh, took a uh, a bit of a liberty. Like the guys, <laughs> uh, we, we Pat and I had to cover the Ultraman um, Ultraman Ruby movie, and we found a fan sub online to to uh, watch it. And uh, those guys were a little loosey goosey with the subtitles, but what are you going to do? You know, like. Yeah, it's fine. I understand you're trying to you're trying to convey something, but putting recent American slang doesn't 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 hack. I had to explain um, name puns that weren't being so in one translation of the show that we're covering week to week. There are like name puns that are consistently like they are expounded upon, but then they're being left in a manner that is like functional. But then um, my co-host like found a fan sub that left the name puns just like as the pun. 
So he had no clue what was going on. It's like, why is this character named is and is going to be? And why is this character named like death? It's like, no, like the character looks like it. And it's like a pun off this, but it doesn't matter. They're still Jin or like Naki or whatever. Right. So they took the, the fan server took it a little more literally than it needed to be. Yeah, which can happen. But um, like, I think that like uh, to bring things out to like bring things in, like I think like there is something that like as cool as like as is like to have like YouTube and wikis and that kind of stuff. It does kind of like make our relationship to media different where like <sighs> you have like a lot of people so obsessed with like continuity and like following like different rules of like oh this fight for ultraman lasted longer than three minutes or whatever or like oh in this episode they got wrong which ultra fought this monster kind of thing versus like just enjoying it and i think that's like one thing too as much as like it's opened us up to like being able to like learn things about like this media by like watching it and by like looking at like information on it like it does kind of like uh, also hit like our worst impulses sometimes like as you know we nerds love to nitpick yeah it's 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 fun because you but you see something and you notice something that's off and you go oh that's really this and you know you could tell somebody else and they go oh that's really interesting or somebody else goes i don't care um <laughs> you look at that's you looked at um there's the old saturday night live sketch where william shatner is at a star trek convention and a bunch of like you know uh quote-unquote basement dwellers are asking him questions about like well how come you said you went to rigella six when obviously rigella's five is the planet you went to because rigella six cannot support human life because of blah blah blah. and he's like it's a show (laughs) he loses his cool and he's like it's a show you jackasses like relax about it and uh you know we yeah we we love it and that is why we it it, we take the very the very like um of mice and men approach which is the i love it so much i'm going to like pet it and until it's dead (laughs) yeah and i think like with the just like the access we have we need to learn to say instead of i can see the zipper Mm -hmm. they just did a backflip and like an explosion went off at the same time with like practical effects you know right Right. I, I, every, every argument I have on Facebook or I shouldn't say argument, but every, every time I see somebody going like, how come they have to have some new dopey toy? And it's like, well, dude, that's what pays for the show. Yeah. The fact that some kid in Japan, the literally the day that show airs, okay. Some new monster comes out and there's a, like some sort of, you know, ultra sword or ultra shield or ultra something or other, the very first, the literally. The show airs at nine o'clock by one o'clock that Saturday. That toy is on the shelf. The store at some point you have to say um, that like the Lego, sh- um, like the like Lego set where the Joker like had like a helicopter wasn't canon to the movie or whatever. But also right. just yeah, we're kind of nitpicking because we love something because we have this like relationship with it from when we were kids or just like in general because we like like seeing cool action maybe we can just let some of it lie. And like, we haven't learned that part yet. We've learned well, the connection, it, not the it's disconnect. Lego. It's Lego. Anything that that's the weirdest thing is like, Hey, guess what? It's Lego. It could be Canon. If you want it to be, it's fine. It's a building toy. That's the whole point. It's that, you know, come on, it's fine. But like, yeah, I understand. But, yeah. I understand how it is. People are like, well, what about, how does this ultra, 
Look, Mr. Science Why didn't he use his like strong form here when he was fighting this monster that was stronger than him instead of like you know it's just like that kind of stuff. Maybe because the script required it. That's that's another joke we use. Like if if he had used the strong form here, uh, the show would have been over in twelve minutes and we would have had a problem. <laughs> so in order for us to get to the dramatic conclusion at the end, maybe he made a mistake. You know, like you have to think like you know hey maybe he's like i can take care of this without having to break out my super my strongium beam or whatever and he doesn't he learns a valuable lesson maybe that's the point but or maybe the point was is they were like look we have a really great thing where we're going to destroy an entire baseball stadium we figured out a great gag for that where can we stick that oh well this monster can do it fine let's do it and they blow up an entire baseball stadium why because they wanted to blow up a baseball stadium <laughs> like i just figure the guys that work in the special effects department are like yeah hey, hey boss can we wreck a whole train station like all right <laughs> is it in the budget and yeah, we can make it work sure and and they do it and i think that part of it is they just want to show off that they can blow something the kingdom come and it'll look amazing so one of like the most like um perfect like versions of that like is um in like the original power rangers and like um the show it's based off of like (laughs) exactly exactly he ate it like a breadstick it sometimes you have to realize that you are watching a children's show and it has to grab the attention of a nine-year-old or ten-year-old kid who's gonna go mom I need that robot dragon and like, and that's, that's, it is, it is fueling itself by selling the stuff on the show. And it's the only way it's the, it's the snake that eats its own tail because it has to the, I mean, Bondi owns 48% of Subaraya. They have a, yeah. And they're like, listen, you want to keep making Ultraman shows? Let's do it. And I think that the fact that they only do 24 episodes for a season shows up on screen yeah totally yeah when you see a when when you see a show some of the common writers um you know, you know when they do a 52 episode season or a 50 episode season you're like that looks a little uh it, you know you see like they're trying to blow up the street or whatever and the explosions don't look like they're taking place in the same scene no yeah you know I mean? um, and you're like eh, they just but it's because they're trying to take you know X amount of money divided by 52 or 50 or whatever. Whereas if you take same X amount of money and divide it by 24, you're going to come up with a, with a product that is just by default, maybe going to look a little better because you don't have to spread it out so much. Yeah. And like, I think um, a lot of people need to take a step back from reality and enjoy like fantasy. Exactly. Hey, like watching that smokestack get eaten like a breadstick really sticks out to me as like one of my like deepest childhood like thoughts for some reason like compared to like songs i've like like amazing like beethoven songs like that like i heard you know and like it's just like that is better than if it just was like oh i'm going straight for the power plant because that's the best way to do damage you know yeah no i'm gonna do this and it's we don't even know that could have been some sort of tribute to a japanese television star at the time like Oh yeah, this guy was always known for smoking cigars, and yeah. every and he was the like super famous at the time. And they were like, "Oh yeah, it's this guy." Like, look at that—he's doing 
he's doing the Groucho, you know, like, and that way, like the parents were watching are like, oh, that's funny, you know, yeah. and the kids were like, oh, wow, that's really funny. He did, you know, he ate it like a breadstick or whatever. And I mean, because we don't have that cultural clarity. Yeah. Not- and like how many people have seen like somebody saying goodbye at like an airfield in black and white and not seeing Casablanca, you know, like even like, a, like in like our own like movies, you know, or they hear play it again or they hear or any any of those things like you don't realize that it is a callback to something that is possibly way old. Sesame street is brilliant at throwing stuff back. I, I, I always say that the writers on Sesame street all appear to be frustrated, reincarnated vaudeville comedians because it's all like pie gags. It's all pie gags and wordplay and like, you know, bad jokes and puns and, I, you know, when my son and I would watch it when he was real little, I was like, this show is so brilliantly written. God, I tried to get a, I tried to get a job at children's television workshop forever. Anything, anything they posted in the paper. I was like, I will come work for you guys. Please hire me. <laughs> like I want to be, I want to be involved on some level with Muppets. Okay. Can that happen? <laughs> Alas, here I am. Do you see this show that is next year celebrating its 55th anniversary? Correct. That's more than that. Sixty-five, isn't it? Oh my. Sixty-six. Twenty twenty. Yeah, I think it's fifty-five. Okay. Yeah. But look, I'm not great with the math right now. No, it's totally, uh, yeah. one o'clock. <laughs> For those of you listening at home, it's one o'clock, and my dog keeps looking at me like, "Are you still talking?" <laughs> but no. Uh, so um, we really love um, just to look at for like the toku like wider genre. Like it is like one that means a lot to like a lot of people in like ways that like is not really covered by like most media and like to see stuff like i think like there's something that like i mean like stunt work and practical effects and like i love just um to connect that like with things like claymation and puppetry and like modern Mm -hmm. like um like more like special effects and like i think um it's great like to just like um what's like go through and like talk about like casablanca and stuff and um behind the curtain though um for like a while, like I was trying to have Rich on and just like schedules weren't working and it was like ships kept like passing in the night and I'm was so glad to have you on, like despite like all like that like Oh, I'm I'm very happy to be here. This is this is a lot of fun. It was a great show to have you on. Oh, thank you. I would I'll I'd be happy to do it anytime. I like I said, this is this is a lot of fun. And uh, you know how it is, man. It's real life. You got, you know, I don't know if people at home know this, but podcasting is not what we call a um lucrative pile of money so (laughs) you just have to go okay you know we schedules have to be when they have to be kids get sick uh you have to do overtime uh the a virus breaks down around the world and and puts everybody in their house for six months or whatever yeah so weird stuff's gonna happen but hey it worked (laughs) and actually like oh my go for time like have you like gotten your podcast like to that like really profitable point of what like hundred dollars per listen right <laughs> you're funny we we got to the point last year where we didn't have to pay for hosting oh okay for five months because we had enough uh had enough referrals through our uh through our podcast host okay. that like people were uh, like yeah oh, hey man five bucks is five bucks i'm not gonna complain but like 
um, you know, a couple people started podcasts. They used our referral code and I was happy about that. And I think they liked the service, but, um, you know, I'm, like I said before, we're thinking about having a Patreon and now that this is happening and people are losing their jobs. I'm like, I yeah. can't ask anybody for money. This is, <laughs> this would be a bad time. No, our show's like doing fairly well and like has done like beyond what I like at all expected. And like, thank you all so much. But, um, so I think, um, like still like for like a second, I was like thinking maybe I should spend the money like I was going to spend on the first shirt and have that be like a design for charity. Cause let's like face it, like it's not like a lucrative field, but like, I would much rather like do something like that isn't like purely selfish, you know? Absolutely. Doing something for charity is always a good thing. Like, you know, I, I always try to try to, um, I used to be in a band and when my friend's parents' house was knocked down in Hurricane Sandy, I was like, Hey guys, all our stuff is available online for free. Download it and pay whatever you want. And then they're going to get, and I'm going to send it all to them. So, you know, it's, it's something like I, it's not like I can go and rebuild a house. I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not quite that handy. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm all right, but I'm not, I cannot. I, you know, I can't lay framework or do, you know, do drywall and stuff like that. Uh, you don't want me doing a lot of that, but, uh, you know, I can help with what I can help with. Um, and I think that's what it's important to remember. And especially in times like these help with what you can help. And every week too, you lay, um, like the, like great framework for like a great discussion on Ultraman. And like, when does your show come out? (laughs) Oh, it's Mondays. It's a usual, well, most of the time but we were experiencing time, technical yeah. difficulties this week um um but uh last week's episode should be up tomorrow and uh this week's episode should be up by midweek i think and then we should be back on our normal schedule um but the problem is like it used to be uh pat and i would have time to record during the morning we were both on night shift he then got he switched his to days then we had to switch to brace yourself sunday mornings at nine o'clock Ugh. uh yeah it was not cool then he went back to night shift and now we have this horrendous pile of nonsense that's happening for as long as it's going to happen so we just record remotely and uh you know it used to be fun because he would come over to my house now he had never seen a frame of this stuff none of it nothing and he we were, his kids were over one night and we were watching Johnny Sacco and his flying robot. And he's like, this show is ridiculous. And I'm like, I know. Right. And I was like, and we had talked about, we should have a podcast, but like, what are we going to talk about? You know, what's our podcast going to be? And people were like, Star Wars, you should do Star Wars. And I'm like, there's a 10 billion of them. Who cares? What, what yeah. more are two middle-aged doughy white dudes going to talk about in retrospect to Star Wars? And then as we were watching this, I'm like, Pat, have you ever seen a program called Ultraman? And he's like, no, why? I'm like, I think we have a podcast because, and I thank, I thank the host of the Kaiju cast because he, uh, one day was going on about like, you know, there's no Ultraman podcast. I always thought that was weird. Somebody should do an Ultraman podcast. And I was like, that could be me. Why can't that be me? I should do that. And then that's the night I, they called Pat up immediately and they're like, I know what we're doing. And fortunately he agreed to it. So yeah, yeah we usually come out on Monday mornings in a long winded response. And yeah, um, <laughs> what show are you currently watching right now? And like, what's like a 
good place for like watching Ultraman Orb. Okay. Um, so if you want to get in on Orb, uh, we just started Orb. Uh, episode one is the most recent. Um, and if you're, if this, when will this come out? Give or take on Friday. Oh yeah. So you'll, you'll be, uh, we'll have episodes, uh, one of orb and then two and three will be our next episode. But if you go to, uh, you go to, go to any of your podcatchers and there's a, you could even start if you want to get a nice, uh, a nice, uh, quick marathon starting on December 25th, we do our uh, 12 days of Ultraman where we ran through all 12 day, all 12, uh, episodes of, uh, Ultraman Neos, uh, over the course of 12 days. So we released a podcast today for 12 that's days. Perfect. Yeah. That was, that's when you can hear us really starting to get punchy. We're like, wait, what, what, what are we watching? What day is it now? I think like any podcast where like you suffer a little bit, like I, um, would love oh, to listen to our episodes yeah. of Ultraman Leo. Yeah. Yeah. That's some <laughs> suffering boy, man. Oh man. Uh, I would love to just like my new idea now is podcaster of disguise. And we just like, like oh, master disguise rewatch. Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry, but the, the suicide rate on that podcast is going to be way too high. You're going to have hosts just <laughs> hanging themselves from the rafters. Yeah. Well, it's for it's the rough, art. It's a rough movie, man. I haven't that seen it. Rough like, movie. Oh God. That's, that is a movie that is so bad they've never released it widescreen on home media. That'll tell you. <laughs> I love that you know that. I love that you know that. No, they never like lovingly like remastered that turtle scene in 4K. Not even it's it came out on DVD. It was a full screen DVD, and that is where it died. Where it, it like it they were like, Yeah, maybe we'll make a couple of bucks on it on DVD. And it's like you couldn't even be bothered. You you paid the money to have it pan and scan. And you couldn't even bother to just put a no frills widescreen version of it out. I see what happened. Thank you. Like <laughs> the last, the v- last version of that movie release was probably the one for PSP on their little like UMD discs. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. Like, what makes you think people are going to watch that on the go? They don't want to watch it at home where they're comfortable. Like, <laughs> nobody wants to watch it on the bus. <laughs> God, uh, if I saw somebody watching Master Disguise on the bus, I would know that I was dead. <laughs> I'd be like, um, "Excuse me, did you pay for that? What is going on? Why? Why is that happening? I need to know." You know what? I'm gonna... I hope they paid for it. I hope they didn't like tore in it. It's like if it's on a PSP, like is it on? Uh, like, did they? Maybe they bought it in a lot. They had movies, like yeah. So maybe they had it like that. Maybe they bought it in a lot. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like checking. And, yeah. I'm checking just to make sure that it was not released on anything. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh no. I take. This I take it back. I take it back. It is on Blu-ray. Okay, these guys on Blu-ray. Hold on, maybe. Let me see here. Uh, I'm I'm frightened by this. Hold on. Oh no, it does appear to only be DVD. It just happens to be listed on Blu-ray.com. I just wanted to, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't like the, you know, like the, the dead don't die. Like, <laughs> I don't want it to keep coming back. At the risk of deeply offending you, um, you've seen the trivia page on IMDb for this movie, right? I'm sure I have at some point. <laughs> when the cast and crew of the Master Skies heard what had happened on September 11, 2001, they held a moment of silence. Dana Carvey was playing. Pistachio Disguise wearing his big green turtle suit. God. 
Oscar God. I am so glad that we have modern day suit actors like Dana Carvey who can really connect and like bring us to the world of fantastic to disguise what is real and to work past our expectations. Thank you. You're a true patriot and <laughs> the closest thing we have in America to an Ultraman. Thank you, Dana Carvey. I'm not saying that. He, I'm not saying they didn't really try hard. Nobody sets out to make a complete turd like that. Nobody. Like you don't you you go into a movie going, no, this is totally going to be great. I'm going to do like all sorts of voices. It's going to be awesome. And then I want to know at what point they were like, oh no. It's <laughs> not gonna be good. <laughs> no, this might be the bigger people talk about the Rome, but this might be a bigger tragedy because they mocked it as a comedy, and it seems like that's worse than making a drama that people laugh at is a comedy yes. no one laughs at. A hundred and ten percent. Because you can you and, and like Tommy Wiseau proves you can <laughs> make it work to your advantage if you're fast on your feet and you're like, yeah. I can make this happen. It's fine. And you go, okay, you know, like people were laughing at it. And he, apparently he was devastated at first. And then people started saying like, oh, your movie's really funny. And he was like, well, you know what? If everybody's going to say that, I'm just going to go with it. And like, he plays it off, but it's clear that he, that was not the intention, but like he plays it off very well that, like, oh yeah, it's my dark comedy. A thousand percent. Yeah. Like he was not ready for that. Apparently apparently this is now this is hearsay um at the initial screening when people were laughing he was like on the other side of the wall at the theater just like crying like this was like oh my god this was my movie and like but hey man that dude turned some turned lemons into lemonade on a massive scale you gotta give him that like i don't he's gonna ride i think he's gonna ride that pony until it just it's getting got nothing left he's on tiktok so yeah, he's gonna he's doing what, that. Whatever you gotta do, Tommy. You know, uh, who am I? You know. If you haven't seen it, last year the movie um Serenity with Matthew McConaughey. No. That that picks up that torch and runs with it. It's another one of those that should be amazing, but it doesn't. Have you been spoiled like on that movie at all or no? Mm. You should absolutely okay. So uh we need to end this podcast, but everyone out there, do not look up any spoilers for this movie, Serenity. It's a movie like about a man and a fish. It has a pretty stacked cast. And yeah, just uh, if you can predict what happens before it does, I will Venmo you five dollars. I'm, I'm totally like, why not? Like, I've seen I've seen atrocious films and you just go, it could have. It could have. <laughs> yeah. It should. Look, we were talking about Mike Myers, the love guru. This might be um, worse. It's not like he doesn't even commit to it. It's not like he doesn't commit. He commits 110% to it. And you're just like, nope, nope. Sorry, Mike. We're none of us are, none of us are on board with this. This is, this is a bad idea from the get go. I'm well, so it's sorry. It's even sadder. Cause like Adam Sandler has continued to make bad movies, but there's not that look in his eye. Like he thinks it works the same way there is in Mike Myers. eye. Right. Yeah. Um, Adam Sandler, uh, He's making movies because, like, look, I'm going to make a certain amount of money yeah. and have fun with my friends to go on vacation. That's basically it. It's going to make X amount of money for um, Netflix, and then I'm going to do something like uh, Uncut Gems, and you're going to every like twelve years, yeah, yeah. And you go, and you know what? He's right. 
he's right. Every so often he makes something amazing and you just go, all right. It makes them super right. interesting. Yeah. You just that, like, once, in a, once in a while, like he, he can follow uncut gems or like punch drug love or something. Yeah. But no. Fergus, um, you okay, buddy? My dog is barking in his sleep. But no, before we uh, talk through our time, thank you so much for coming out, Rich. Like I like, of course, thanks for having me. This was a great time. What a great show to finally get to. And like, yeah, just every Monday, um, you can listen to the science patrol podcast and thank you so much Rich, for coming out. No problem. I would anytime you want to have me back, I will come back and, and, uh, take up way too much of your time again. Absolutely. It was a great no, thank time. You. And, uh, let me just think if there's anything. Oh, uh, yeah. It's uh, anywhere you want to get your podcast. It's uh, the Science Patrol uh, at Science or at Ultraman Podcast on uh, Twitter. And uh, I don't know why, but we have an Instagram now that I'm not doing enough with. So <laughs> we're working on it. All right. Thank you so much, Rich. And we'll see you later. All right. Have a good one, man.
and we're back. Thanks so much, Rich. That was a, a long and slightly unrelated like conversation, but let go. <laughs> Whole lot of very knowledgeable fun. Now, um, I think we're back here with my co-host James Baker. And how are you, James, this week? Doing pretty good, man. Um, sorry I couldn't join on in the conversation. Uh, miscommunication between me and my girlfriend. But next time, I'll definitely try to make the guest spot. Sounds like you guys had a lot of fun. Yeah, it was the. You'll know when you like reach this. Like this was like a longer episode <laughs> because of that. But hey, for the fans, I'm sure the listeners enjoy it. <laughs> so what I want to know is, um. Did you enjoy looking at Ultraman? We looked at four very, different episodes. Yeah, it was very interesting. So I went into this thinking that I already watched Ultraman, and I still may have seen a few episodes here and there from you know my childhood, but I was getting Ultraman confused with the uh, Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. <laughs> so I was super stoked going into this, expecting to watch that. But um, for the most part, I, I really enjoyed it. It's definitely different. I haven't really seen a show like this before. Um, my quick takes is like, um, I I can see the creator growing up watching Godzilla films and being like, what if a human fought Godzilla and then he created Super uh, Ultraman? Well, actually, uh, um, the person who made like Ultraman and like I'm once again like going to butcher his name. It's um, name is Ag Subaraya and Subaraya Company is who makes Ultraman. He was the person who like helped like design and do like a lot of like the special effects on like the first Godzilla movies. Okay, I could definitely see how that translates translated into uh, becoming Ultraman for sure, especially with uh, Ultraman nineteen sixty six. It was literally like a felt like a Godzilla type spinoff. But uh, um, like when we first started, I um showed you one clip, and it was actually they had gotten and like modified like that like original like Godzilla uh, like suit from the sixties. That's so that's why this felt familiar. I'm like, where did I see this before? Like I, I was like, where would I watch this old show at? So. It was from when you uh, sent me a couple of things to watch before we started this pot. It all makes sense now. <laughs> okay. Uh, but no, Um. so like, it's a weird franchise though, because like, I feel like a lot of people have like a reference point for it, despite not like maybe having seen it. Like I um, was like um, talking to um, like Rich about like how um, the first time that I saw Ultraman was actually in like an episode of South Park, where like they had like Barbara Streisand turn into like a giant robot dinosaur. Oh shit, I missed that. Yeah, and then like a um, like Mothra and like Ultraman show up and fight her and stuff. It's weird, but <laughs> I don't know. We looked at um the first show, Ultraman 1966. Then we um like went to Ultraman Nexus, then Ultraman X, then to the most recent show, Ultraman like Taiga. Now um that first show in like 1966, like um what were your thoughts on it? Uh, 1966 Ultraman. Um, I thought it was well put together. Um, to be a show in 1966. Uh, it didn't age well. <laughs> uh, it was pretty funny watching a you know a grown man fight a another grown man in a suit. You could definitely tell the difference between you know uh, what the director had to use back then. But uh, for the most part, um, you could definitely tell that this had a potential to become a franchise as what it is right now. And uh, it was an interesting story about how they set it up with the two orbs coming in and one being evil, one being good, and how. Since the guy can't leave the planet, he's like, well, I guess I'll protect Earth now. But uh, I like how they set up the uh, story in the original versus the last three that we watched. Um, it felt more, I went, I don't want to use the word realistic, but it felt more um, <laughs> easy to follow. Less far-fetched. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. But um, I enjoyed 1966, first episode. What'd you think? I think that like 
there's definitely ways where like it looks kind of like scary and like doesn't like quite like hold up but also like there's just a real like craft to it the fact that they had like these suits and they were doing like wrestling moves and they were like in water despite the fact that like they could probably like barely see and they had like very detailed like whole like mountain range and like forest like it was like it showed its age but also like I, for me like that kind of stuff like makes it more endearing you know mm-hmm. i can see like when you compare it to like old batman like old old like um the hulk had that like one show in like the 80s like it was like on that scale like it looks like a really solid start for like a like superhero like franchise and like it's like a really uh strong like it was like a major phenomenon like there were like tons of like weird shows like trying to do the same thing like in like it's awake too which is like really interesting and um so what do you think about um when we like went forward to see like the more modern takes like starting with um like ultraman like nexus yeah so jumping from <laughs> ultraman 1966 to ultraman nexus the polar period. yeah polar opposites i mean you know, in this show, you had like the futuristic uh, time traveling aspect to it. Um, that really intrigued me. Um, I, I checked out the comment box um, after I got done watching it and saw a few people saying this is the best Ultraman. And I, I know it's all, uh, you know, personal preference, but I feel like this timeline was or this this show would be a fun watch just to see why this guy traveled back to this point in time and what is he trying to correct? But uh, I really enjoyed... Um, One second, man. Um, what time travel stuff? Was there time travel in what you watched? Maybe I read it wrong. I was. It was late at night. Maybe I should start over before I sound like a jackass. <laughs> but uh, it, it it was just like... the It was just the way that the, the guy was narrating. He was like... And at this moment was when Ultraman... Or when he met the Silver Giant. And I thought it was like he came back to... I don't know. Maybe I read it wrong. I think it was meant to be more like a Deku kind of thing. Like, oh, like here's like my story whatever oh so he's narrating the story himself yeah i think so i'm not sure honestly but um like i know that um like this show is kind of like the big like appeal to like it tried to be like a show for like the more like adult audience and it just kind of got like slammed on time and stuff and got like moved to like a like wrong slot and it was like on at like 2 a.m at one point and like it's like a weird show that like a lot of people like because it was trying to be like for like the like adult fans which is like um something that like we'll see like the other franchises will do sometimes like they'll make like a version say here's like our one season that's like very r-rated or like what have you and it's like a it's one that captures like a lot of people's like attention just because it is like very clearly like subverting a lot of their expectations of the franchise you know for these shows like it's like uh weird i think to drop into like four different eras for one episode and like not have like a lot of like context just to like notice certain things and like i think um nexus was probably like the one that um is the most uh confusing because you like don't even really see like the plot or like the fight or like much of the like organization too it's like a weird like start point you know yeah maybe i was just trying to force <laughs> what was going to happen in my head and read it the wrong way but it's just the narration style that kind of confused me and i thought that the guy that was watching from the shadows was actually narrating the moment when Di- uh is this daichi no come on when come on met uh you know the silver giant but with all that being said uh i thought this was really really interesting so have you watched more episodes or have you just dropped in for episode one um i haven't watched a ton of ultraman like i think um i've watched like a lot of like first two episodes of shows like ultraman and satai and like ah, that's not for me over the years but i think i um this show is one where i've seen like a good like half the episodes of okay it's like it's very interesting because it's like a weird point in the franchise like it's very much like they're like 
not your daddy's like Ultraman show, and it's like more dark and that kind of stuff, and like much more like ground level too. And there's like weird stuff that they like do here with like this not being in like the same universe as like the as like the past shows and that kind of stuff. So it's like a interesting case. Like I like mostly know about like Ultraman from like being up late and like reading stuff on like Wikipedia for the most part. <laughs> if I'm being honest, yeah, because uh, like you said, I feel like they're definitely trying to do something completely different. Um, even though I haven't seen what led up to this one, it just felt like it was in its own pocket versus the next two shows that we're going to discuss. Um, I wouldn't say it's as dark as like a Garo, but it definitely had that kind of vibe to it, like a more mature, uh, dark and gritty type of uh, narration they're going for. A lot of early 2000 Toku does. Like, I think like this came out like around the same time as a common Rider like buys too. So it was just a you know, like dark and more like melodramatic type, I think, for these shows contrast with that though uh then that next show we watched was like was um ultraman x which was very much like a retelling of like that first like what we watched like in like a lot of ways like very close to like beat for beat like redoing that story you know yeah this was definitely reminiscent of the 1966 and um i'm not sure why they went back to you know the pretty much the origin of the original ultraman but um it worked you could tell that this was like a, a like show within like a like wider franchise like even if it's i think this show is also in its own own separate like dimension but um there's stuff like they're referencing monsters and like people know who they are and like they're like um commander saying help the silver giant i guess yeah this feels more uh connected to the previous is the previous uh ultraman franchises and uh kind of kind of what like what power rangers does like br- referring to old rangers or old villains and stuff like that so i thought that was cool yeah this like part feels like it's like the cool new design of like the more armor and like the x on his chest but also like it looks more like the old suits like too which is weird like how they can like balance that like compared to like nexus like who has that like weird head and those like fins on his arms and all this like weird side stuff but and the last show that we looked at is the first one is the only other one that's in like the same like universe like as like that like main branch of shows it starts in like a weird frenzy of like nine ultramen like fighting like <laughs> one bad guy yo that was wild i'm like did i click on the right video it was like some uh mcu you know crossover movie type stuff <laughs> like if you haven't watched anything other than this you'll be so confused like i was lost i'm like who are these people like, how are this this many Ultramans, and why did they pick these nine? Or it was it was super crazy. But um, that opening scene was pretty dope, though. In the eighties, a like Thai company uh, won a court case saying that they owned Ultraman like outside of Japan. So like that only got like overturned like a year or two ago, which is why you have stuff like the like Ultraman like anime and like Marvels like now doing like a like comic with them too. So like it's like has to be like very frustrating to be like hey, we've been doing our own multiverse and, like, cool stories across, like, dimensions and shit, and we can't show anybody, <laughs> like, outside of, like, our, like, core audience. Like, we're doing the Marvel shit and no one can see because of, like, this weird legal battle, you know? Mm-hmm. This one had maybe the most, like, substantive plot of the, like, four that we watched and, like, uh, the whole, like, uh, here's a, like, baby monster being sold to make the mom monster show up so that, like, this, like, bounty hunter guild or, like, monster auction group can send their monster in then there's like a weird guy that's in like <laughs> half clothes like i'm not sure what to think about it you know yeah i got like the mandalorian vibes <laughs> from this show um 
but this baby was not as cute as Baby Yoda. So I do like though how like there's kind of like a a like almost like naturalist feeling though of like oh there's like giant monsters then there's like evil giant monsters there's just like some of these monsters like that just hang out and like live and we don't mind and there's some that are like weapons you know Mm -hmm. we look through we saw like these four different eras and like these like very different like ways to look at like this franchise and i guess like i'm wondering um what do you think about like from what you've seen like um this franchise and like how it does like its worlds and like its characters like i like uh personally feel like it does like a very like interesting like job at being connected compared to like lots of other shows yeah the foundation of this franchise is pretty solid i mean it's pretty high concept you have a you know like a space type force that protects the earth from monsters and then one day you know two orbs show up uh one good one bad (laughs) and one of the orbs uh partners up with one of the guys from the team so it's pretty high concept and their job is to protect earth so the foundation is definitely there it's just the way of the director's choice of the storytelling. Um, but uh, I mean, it's an interesting story. Um, really not my cup of tea. If I'm gonna keep a, a buck with you guys, but uh, I'm more of a fan, like of like Kamen Rider top narratives. This mm-hmm. is more, um, even though Kamen Rider's monster of the week type thing, it, it, it feels like it's, it's going to be legit, like different monsters every, every episode. But uh, I do like to see reoccurring monsters here and there, but uh, that's just me. How, how do you feel about Ultraman? I think at some point we should like, look at like one series like like instead of like just like um like multiple eras like i think it was like cool for me as somebody that had like a like better frame of like reference but like it might have been like a lot to like foreign productions but like i think um that it's cool that this like is much more like dc to like common writers like marvel like this is like right that's that's the best way to describe it and also it's really hard to compare a show just off the first episode because you know, pilots are really tough. The budget's not as high as you want it to be. And then as the show goes on, you start to get more money. So the show could possibly get better. So it's always tough to judge shows off of just one episode. But from what I did see, uh, I think, like I said before, it's a solid foundation, um, pretty high concept and easy to follow. It's just It just depends on, uh, you know, what storyline is happening that year. But uh, out of these four, I, I enjoyed Tiger the most. Um, and I really enjoyed uh, 1966, if I'm going to keep it <laughs> keep it real. Just because it is what it is. Like, at that time, you could definitely see, like, imagine somebody in 1966 watching that and being like, what the fuck is this? Like, I'm hooked just off of that. Like, that's that's you're not going to find it anywhere. So I would say Tyga and 1966 are definitely um, top two. Yeah, and I think, like, um, this is kind of like looking at four pinball machines and, like, trying to understand pinball after you've never played pinball kind of thing. Like it's like, there's like a whole mm-hmm. like lore and history and connection and like community where like, it's almost like very like intimidating to see like how much like this franchise is and means to people. But I, um, yeah, like I'm not the biggest Ultraman like fan, but like I, um, would like to just like take one and like look through it and like get to know it more. Like I think, um, I really love just like how casual, like both in like, uh, the like, and like X and like Taiga people were about like monsters and like aliens and stuff. And like, I like this idea that it's like got that just um weird universe where like you'll randomly see like an alien. And like, there's like one moment like in, in like Taiga where it's like, Oh, there's a blonde alien. They're like, Oh, a blonde alien. And it's that, and they're concerned. Like we should look for a blonde alien, not that, that we should look for an alien, you know? Yeah. I thought that was, that was pretty, uh, standoutish. It'll be interesting to see that, uh, 
I think this is like a franchise that's going to get like a big push in the coming years. Cause like I uh, had two of those episodes for you were on Crunchyroll, which is like new for us kind of, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Um, so like it's available and like, it has like a couple old shows on like Tokushoutsu partnered with like Netflix and Marvel. It's probably going to like be like an entirely different thing in like five, 10 years, like compared to just like, cause like, it's like a show that people kind of know from like, growing up in hawaii or like weird broadcasts in the 80s and like that kind of stuff but maybe you have to check back in on it Does, is that out already oh uh, which one the one you said us on crunchyroll it's already out uh, right? there's um five or six series right now on like crunchyroll like savably like look at like one of them and like that kind of thing or, like one of the movies even like maybe like we need to look at like one of the movies like a set of like three episodes you know yeah, because I saw that. I know about the one that's on Netflix, the anime series, but I didn't know Crunchyroll had like five. So that's interesting. Yeah, and I think that uh, for me, I'm glad that we have finally hit like the big three franchises like a bit. And I think like even like this one was always going to be uh, it's not Ultraman with me. And like uh, there's not like a Power Rangers like show for it. So like this show is always going to be one that um, like, I'd want to like look at more, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think I'd give it um, five silver balls of light <laughs> out of uh seven we should actually think now um what crimes would like ultraman do mm. yeah let's let that like percolate now as we sign off james <laughs> where can they find you you can find me on twitter instagram and facebook at popcornet and you can find the show on twitter at come ride with me at come ride with me.com and then um podcast at come ride with me.com is are you bill as well and thanks as always to Berserk for our theme song, Copyright Love Song. And you can find me on Twitter at James Forge. Uh, and yeah, it's hard to know. What does an Ultraman do? I mean, one episode, I really can't tell, man, to be honest. <laughs> I'll leave that to the expert to decide. Ooh, that's like rough on me right there. The expert. Yeah. The noob, the noob is out of this one. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, well, go back to Curtain. Um, we uh, did record this episode on 420. So I guess uh, let's go with more tact and more grace and watch Ultraman illegalize it. Perfect. Perfect. See y'all.